All right, good morning. Tuesday. For some of you, it's Monday. For those of us who actually work, Monday. Sorry, Tuesday. I don't know. Whatever you want to say, it's, it's here. Good morning. This is The Lead Live. And we are at Pint and Plow, which is closed today, so don't come in. We're brought to you by Pint and Plow Brewing Company. And Texas Hill Country Advisors has their podcast on here on uh, Monday nights at 6 o'clock. K-Pub, safe, reliable, and yours. Peterson Helm. And Kerr County Abstract and Title Company. You are watching The Lead Live. I'm Lewis Hamilton. I'm not having a latte this morning. All right, there we are. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you here on a Tuesday morning. Uh, this will be a beautiful day today. We're going to have great weather today and tomorrow. And then Thursday, it's going to suck. I'm going to be a boss with you. I'm not looking forward to it. It's going to be like... 34 degrees is going to be the high. I'm not looking forward to that at all. So, uh, yeah, we're headed to a, a little bit of a wintry mix. And I'm like, wintry mix? Stop it. Please, somebody stop that. I, I just don't want to deal with it. I was one of those people who, uh, look, I wasn't traumatized by COVID. I write about COVID a lot. But that winter storm last year, no thank you. Nope. Nope. I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, I just don't want to deal with that. So, good morning, Barbara Gaither. How are you? I hope you're doing well. hope Club Charles is doing well. Um, yeah, I just I, I have zero interest in cold weather. I mean, you can wear some layers and stuff once in a while, but, you know, I don't, you know, I I, I, I like wearing shorts. I don't wear them to work, but, you know, I, I like wearing shorts. And I just don't really, it doesn't really interest me. So um, some of you, you know, like to go to Colorado and roll around in the snow and get cold and everything like that. No, sorry done old i'm old now and i'm i'm like a permanent snowbird i even like it hot i'll be miserable and complain about it but you know what uh it's better to be hot than cold so there you go uh that's my morning uh update for you uh we've got news and notes to get through this morning and uh you know look if you have a dog and you decide that you want to spot weld it to a uh, a chain uh in your yard you know a chain that's designed to like anchor a boat Mm, they're not going to come after you now. Not not permitted. That has gone into effect today. Um, you cannot um, you cannot do that. That's the, called the Safe Outdoor Dogs Law. And basically, you, if you have a dog that's outside, which a lot of people do, they that you can no longer have um, the dog has to have shelter, has to have access to potable water, all kind of good stuff, right? And if you don't. Then the, the police and the sheriff's department can come and knock on your door and say, hello, you need to you need to put that dog in because, you know, um, there's a law now. And the Governor Abbott signed it. Now, this law was opposed by some in the rural counties, including our own representative, Andrew Murr, who argued that it was probably unfair to rural owners uh, as well. But it doesn't mean that if you're a rural owner, that means it doesn't mean you get to, you know, abuse your dog. Right. Uh, but this was a bipartisan deal. And initially, Governor Abbott, you know, vetoed it. And then he got so much pushback against against this 
um, veto that. He basically signed the bill that he vetoed previously without any changes. So if you leave a dog outside without all that kind of good stuff, without some protection, some shelter, it's a Class C misdemeanor. You get hit with it a second time, it's a Class B misdemeanor. So avoid yourself some trouble, and uh, there you go. Carol Pets Alive is uh, they're 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 out there, you know, saying, look, you know, you you can't have this, you can't have that. Um, you have to have the dog has to have shelter, has to have access to food and water, um, and if not, call the cops. And guess who's also saying that too? Kerbal Police Department and the Kerbal in the Kerr County Sheriff's Office as well. Uh, our top story on the newsletter today, and I'd be remiss by the way, interesting our guest is Misty Cody, uh, who is uh, a head of families and literacy, and uh, she is she is here today to talk to us about their programs. And uh, actually, wait, Allison, where are you? I need you for a minute here. Um, anyway, so we we'll talk to Misty here in a minute. But the other top story we have today is that there's a change in leadership over at the Arcadia Live. Uh, Executive Director Mike Keller, who, who stood up the, uh, could you adjust her camera so she's actually on camera? I would appreciate that very much. If I did my job in the morning, that would be great. So, um, Mike Keller, who stood the Arcadia Live project up as its first executive director, has left that position. Um, we reached out to Mike, and he's traveling, so he wasn't able to really give us any kind of comment about this, but uh, Steve Schulte, who's on the Arcadia board, confirmed it. Uh... You can look at this a couple different ways. One, look, I've been in Mike Kelleher's shoes before. I've I've been a, 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 a general manager of a, of a nonprofit theater before. It's extremely hard work uh, and frustrating. Uh, and, you know, anytime you have to manage, put people into a facility and manage them, and then give them liquor, it's not going to be an easy, easy, easy thing. So. I think one of the things that you, if you're if you're a critic of of this project, you could say, well, it's just a waste of money, and we can't get. It. But no, it's not. It's going to be one of those community assets that's going to be with us for a long time, and we're going to be grateful for that we have because as Kerbal grows and as and as, and as our as our community changes, this is one of those this is one of those great venues that we're going to be able to take advantage of for the years to years to come. Um, the challenge with standing this up was that you have to work exhaustively to get this get this done and get this get this corrected the other problem that i think is that they're too focused on on live music uh at the point at this point and they need to diversify the programming and i think they're trying to figure that out and they've asked for a two hundred thousand dollar grant from the Kerr economic improvement corporation um that grant would be matched or oh, they've raised two hundred thousand dollars um they're going to get another two hundred thousand dollars which should take care of them so Believe me, if I had a two hundred thousand dollar matching grant, I could I could do some work. So we all know that Misty and I are both in that kind of boat where we're having to fundraise for things. So, um, but uh, Mike Keller is a good guy. Uh, we wish him well, and uh, we look forward to what they're going to be looking for next, which is going to be somebody who can do business development. You know, what is the Arcadia supposed to be? What is its what is its footprint? Um, you know, ideally, in an ideal world, you would you you know Kerrville Kerr County becomes a music friendly place, and you look at the music that we have available. Most times, it's awesome. We've got music, you know, here at Pint and Plow. We have music over at Trailhead, the Southern Sky Music Cafe, Cafe on the Ridge, La Escondida, uh, just to name a few. Um, I have music on a regular basis. But, uh, you know, either they charge or they don't charge. So, you know, if you're trying to make it as a, as a live music venue, it's, it's really good. Now, I went there for Shiny Ribs. It was awesome. But I also went there for the Nutcracker, which was done with Big Seed, and that was awesome too. And that place was packed for that that event too. So 
you know, we, we've seen this potential. We have to get there, and it'll take some time. But uh, we wish Mike the best. All right, here is some other news notes for you today. Uh, Tom Moore High School tomorrow on Thursday will receive a $188,000 grant from the Texas Workforce Commission. Uh, and the Career Economic Development Corporation, they'll be there present as they get this check. Uh, from the it's called the uh, Jobs and Education for Texans uh, program, and the Brian Daniel, who is the head of the workforce or the chairman of the Workforce Commission, will be there to present that check. He'll be at two events as well that day. He'll be at that event in the morning on Thursday, and then he'll also be speaking over at Shawnee University at noon. Um, and so that's a big deal for Tom Moore. Uh, what's going to happen is it's going to be basically pay for or help develop their already thriving. Uh, industrial, vocational, technical programs they have over there at, at Tom Moore. We'll have a story on that later in the week, though. Um, there we go. Uh, the long tail of COVID-19. I was just talking about this with Misty before because she suffered through this this whole thing, but you know, previously, is Brookings Institute um, thinks that 1.6 million people are out of work because they're dealing with long long-haul COVID symptoms, meaning they have either a prolonged sense of smell and a long, prolonged sense of taste. Uh, they might have neurological issues. They might have kidney issues. They might have heart issues. Uh, they may have just persistent um, damage to their lungs. Uh, and so, but Brookings makes a very clear point. He's like, look, we don't really have really good data on this. This is, a best best is an estimate. It's probably higher. Um the quote was, in the United Kingdom, which is doing a much better job collecting data, more than 70% of people with persistent COVID-19 symptoms have been sick for more than three months, and more than one-third have been sick for at least a year. The chronicity is consistent with other post-viral illnesses, which behave similarly to long COVID and often last for years. That sounds charming. That sounds charming. The mystery of long COVID continues to perplex scientists and physicians. Um, some of those can be problems in the lungs, uh, 6% of people who recovered from COVID-19 had signs of ongoing heart inflammation. Uh, loss of taste and smell, by the way, um, can affect your mental health. And so if you, you can't taste or smell anything, then, you know, what's what's the point of, if, you know, you, you can't enjoy that stuff. So there it is. Uh, Shriner University's Colt McBee uh, has advanced to the U.S. World Cup uh, team, uh, which will be in San Antonio later this year. Uh, this is in skeet shooting. He was just missed the Olympic team in 2016 or 2020. I'm sorry, but um, he's joining a world class team already. So he's got on the going to be on this World Cup team uh, skeet shooting with um, three time gold medalist uh, Vincent Hancock, who's from Fort Worth, and then Phil uh, Youngman, uh, who's also from Texas. Uh, so uh, three three Texans uh, on the World Cup team in skeet shooting. Uh, Hancock is probably the greatest uh, U.S. shooter of all time. Three gold medals, four Olympics, 24 international championships. So uh, Cole McBee is in good company. All right, COVID uh, update uh, for you real quick. Uh, no one knows what's going on. No one has any idea what's going on. Um, Ingram schools are closed today as they try to battle through this thing. Uh, and and we had yesterday 146 cases reported by Peterson alone. Um, the state... Department of State Health Services, which generally has, I don't know, has any idea what's going on, um, said there was like 60-some thousand people that tested positive. Uh, hospitalizations remained flat. And the good news yesterday was that, and this, is, this isn't really good news, Peterson was down uh, to 
27 patients, I think, from 32, and four in the ICU. So that's a little bit more manageable than what they were, where the trend was going, which was up, up, and up. So we'll see what happens on Wednesday when they report their numbers. Um, the other thing that I was going to mention to you, too, is that I started looking at the demographics of this, this, this critter. And, um, you know, we're, we're at this issue where, well, who's getting sick with this thing? So previously, right, most of it was people who were, you know, 80 and over, right? That was 70 and over. It was like 49% of all infections was, was that, that demographic. And then you had 60 and 69 is like 71% of all infections were in that age group. Now, if you look at it from November 17th through the end of December, um, most of those are people who were over the age of were between 60 and 69. And then, and then it's split equally between, you know, people over 70 and people under 60, uh, 60 years old. So, you know, it's kind of a problem um, where younger people are getting sicker with this thing, at least with the, with the Delta at the very end and then Omicron now. So, because Omicron's been here a little bit longer than people think. It didn't just show up in January. It was here in December. The numbers show that, um, and, and pretty, pretty, pretty well too. Uh, let me see if I have any other news and notes too. I just saw this big thing that Microsoft has bought um, Blizzard for sixty-eight billion dollars. That's a huge, huge deal uh, because Blizzard, uh, Activision, they're big into online gaming. So is Microsoft. So Microsoft rolling up that that part of it as well. You know, people forget like gaming is like bigger than the movies so uh i resist it personally but because uh, if you if you don't resist it i mean you just get sucked into it but uh i got a oculus uh two headset from facebook they gave it to me they sent me it and like, what the hell am i gonna do with this it's pretty cool right but what am i gonna do with it like you gave me something to distract me from doing work why anyway that's another story i'll ever uh all right there we go. Uh, whew, I tell you what. Um, let me see here. Oh, uh, let me see here. Uh, this is interesting. Carhartt, which makes really good clothes, by the way. They're apparently um, uh, saying that they, which makes sense, right? Carhartt makes work workforce safety products, essentially, right? They make a lot of, you know, essentially, you know, like, fire fire retardant equipment you know stuff like that like they want you to be safe in your clothing right like you go into an oil field this is the insanity of COVID-19 right like you know what we don't even think twice about putting our children in car seats things like that like when you go in the oil field like you got to have the whole gear on you gotta have the you know the the fire retardant clothing you know you got to have you got to have the air O2 monitor. You got to have your hard hat on, and like, and, and if you go, if you go into the work, go into the oil fields, or you go into some kind of energy field, like if you don't have that on, like your body, your buddy's like, uh, dude, you need to get that on. You know, can you just see somebody saying, um, saying that, uh, you know, I'm not going to wear that. Oh, well, see you later. You're fired. Carhartt saying we're gonna we're gonna enforcing the vaccine mandate. So trending there as well so probably we'll have people boycotting carhartt because they made their employees vac- vaccinate we'll probably have people who, you know, who had never bought carhartt before i tell you what though they make a good beanie and they make good jackets so good job carhartt uh there's some other little smart ass thing i wanted to say too and i can't i, don't, I can't think of it anyway let's see if the, let's get to our guest though she's sitting here patiently waiting 
All right, listen, here's the deal. Uh, Missy Cody's here. Let me turn her microphone on. There she is. All right, listen, here's the deal. Uh, the Spurs are 16 and 28. Um, what's going on with them? Are they gonna? Are we gonna see them make a run here? I mean, they're 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 not that far out. They're only would they take eight teams in the playoffs? So they're only three games back. Or they're five games back from the Timberwolves. Uh, for that, uh, or from the Clippers for that that fifth, uh, the eighth playoff spot. Are, are they gonna make a run here? Are they gonna are they gonna surge? I don't think so. Like I said, I don't watch much TV anymore now with two children, so yeah. I haven't even got to watch them play much anymore. But think they're they're on their downward years right now right gonna have to make some changes to go back to the peak it's all Kawhi Leonard's fault isn't it no no it's not no No, I don't think so it's just that you had you had you know several hall of famers kind of all retire at the same time didn't really help matters too I mean you talk about the nucleus of that team wow you know who was your favorite player uh favorite player on court was always David Robinson yeah why um we played the same position, and yeah. I just loved his quiet steadiness and yeah. get out there and do his job. Right. And, and even you know later when I worked for him and getting to meet him was just like dream. Right. What was he like to meet to be around? Uh, just very polite yeah. and and kind of quiet, and you know he would make sure like the crowd was gone before he would come over. I met him at our golf tournament that yeah. we did, and right. just very quiet, but. Very down to earth. We sat and talked about being post and being slower than the point guards and having bad knees after playing all these years. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as I finished and talking to him and he walked off, I called my mom and I was like, I can die now. <laughs> you talked to Dave. <laughs> David Robinson gave me some tips. David Robinson is one of the most fascinating people, you know, um, to, to athletically because he's one of these guys, you know, he went into the Naval Academy. He was like, what, six foot two, maybe six foot three. Uh, six four. I, he was not that big. I might be undersizing him a little bit, but he was like at the cusp right. of where they admit him to as far as height goes. And all of a sudden, he goes into his first year and he's like seven feet tall. By the right. end of he, he has this huge growth spurt, but it doesn't affect his athleticism at all. And he's one of the most remarkable athletes. You know, seeing him seeing him drive to the basket was just pure fun to watch. And yeah. I think he, I think he stayed in the Navy. I think he serves. He's still kind of a Navy ambassador, I think. He is. You know? He's he's big on military. Yeah. What about Ginobili? Oh, I love Manu. Yeah. I created a uh, math program for him. Oh, really? To do in the schools. Yeah. Oh, really? He wow. was a big math and science guy. Yeah. So I got to do that and take him to a few schools, and I really liked him. But my favorite person yeah. of all was Bruce Bowen. Really? I loved him. Because he was a stopper. He was a defensive stopper. Oh, yeah. Defense like crazy. And then he was just a great guy yeah. like so good with kids right. and people and you know my mom went on one of our trips with us that mm-hmm. we got to take doing stuff with the kids and bruce and you know he would always refer to her hey mom <laughs> <laughs> so she was just mom too nice uh he's been up here a little bit too hasn't he bruce bowen's been seen in kerrville before hasn't yes. he yeah that's right mm-hmm. uh what about pop what about popovich he's very quiet yeah. brilliant man yeah. i mean all the languages so we actually did a um, it was a vocabulary bee instead of a spelling bee that oh, we wow. did for him. And Tony ended up because they were both so fluent in so many languages. Right. And um, it was it was interesting to meet them both. And and they were both at the the vocabulary bee that we held yeah. for the kids.
kids that night. It was pretty interesting. It's interesting. Like you think about San Antonio. Whenever I go to San Antonio, I think to myself like it's kind of it's kind of weirdly cosmopolitan. You know, you have you have you know obviously Spanish is a big language there. But when you had Ginobili and Parker, you know, and even uh, Tim Duncan, who I think is Bahamian uh, or from he's from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of a, it had an international sort of appeal to it as well. So it did. And like you could, we would go over there to do things and the autograph session, things like that. Yeah. And, you know, you could hear all different languages and accents and, you know, I, I love me an Australian accent. Right. So I always, <laughs> I was that, you know, stalker lady that followed around yeah. Sean Marks just to hear him right, talk right. when he was on the team and nice. like, just keep talking. I'm good. I bet you, I bet you Ginobili probably speaks probably italian too i would think you know i mean with the name i like don't remember but i yeah i yeah. know that they i remember at one time you know it was like you think about argentina there was one i think it was i don't remember which, which olympics was and they won the gold medal or they won the silver medal mm-hmm. and the soccer team won a gold medal it was like everything's going right for argentina you know and it seemed like it was uh, argentina is an absolutely beautiful country one of my places to go but it was always a pleasure watching him because he was such a he's such a, he was such a money player you know to watch you know what amazes me about the NBA these days? Now, not to get into too much into what we're off topic here, but you probably appreciate this a little bit too. It's just like it's it's become this long range. I hate it. Do you? I hate well, it. you're a post player. So I'm a post player, right. so I didn't shoot threes. I didn't dribble. Right. Um, you know, put me with my back to the basket. But yeah, I hate the game right yeah. now. That's why I don't even watch it. Like, and I guess during the time that I was working over there in San Antonio, like yeah. it was. Still, it was just starting to switch to that, so right. it wasn't terrible. I could handle some of the big guys inside and, you know, the work. And, um, but, yeah, I can't stand watching just jack up threes. I know. It's crazy. Like, and, and, But then there's like guys like Curry, you know, who jack up threes. And it's like I, I, I think the three is exciting. But it's, it's amazing to me, though, when you see a guy who walk down to, to like basically half court and pull up and hit. Um, and you're like, that would never have been allowed, you know, back in the day, you know, Red Arbach probably would come off as, you know, right. Come on, there, what are you doing? You know, um, but it, it, some of the audacity of the game is incredible, um, to me as well. Uh, so the Spurs, yeah, they're in, they're 12th in the West. They're, um, a game, uh, a game and a half behind the, uh, the Kings, the Blazers and, uh, two games back behind the, uh, the, the T-Wolves and the Clippers. So, I don't know what's going to happen here. It's the same thing with the NFL. I can't tell you who's going to win uh, win the, uh, the Super Bowl this year. Uh, I spent my last night uh, watching the the glory that was the the crazy uh, uh, wild card weekend, and the Rams beat the crap out of the Cardinals. A couple of Texas quarterbacks going at each other. Matthew Stafford getting the better best of Kyler uh, Kyler Murray of the Cardinals. Uh, so the Rams will play the Buccaneers. The 49ers will play the Green will play Green Bay. Kansas City is playing Buffalo. That should be a heck of a game. And then you've got um, Tennessee playing Cincinnati. I don't know who's going to go. I don't know. We'll see what happens. So um, there you go. All right, Misty, uh, families and literacy getting ready for the 2022 year. You're taking registrations. What's going on with your organization? All right. Well, right now we are registering for the spring semester for our GED preparation and ESL classes. Uh, We were actually originally scheduled to start our classes tonight. We've had a little few snafus between instructors, building, uh, so we pushed it back. We're going to start classes next week. 
Um, but we are registering full force right now. Mm -hmm. um, you can always go online and get that. But we are we're preparing for a, another good semester, um, another interesting semester, just like everybody at school will All tell right. you. A little bit of of of, of COVID um, causing mayhem in this whole thing is that is that is that part of the challenge? Some, some, um, you know, kind of giving it a break, pushing it back a week, see where things go. Kind of like all the school districts are right you know, walking on eggshells right now. Right. Um, our other challenge is we do our classes over at the Methodist um, Church in right. the education building. They had a little bit of a plumbing issue oh. at the end of December. They kicked us out of our last two weeks of classes, and they're still finishing repairing all of the building. So we were giving them another week. Um, we have one or two instructors that are finishing COVID protocols right, as right, well. Right. So you're in the protocol portal. Now you're going to have to be in this for several days until we get you out of that. Right. I always like when they say they're or in the protocols. What does that mean exactly? You're just sick. You just called in sick. Right. Why is it a protocol? Yeah. Just, just be safe. Here's the website, by the way. Um, we can learn everything you want to uh, on, on the website. You know, when you look at this, too, you got people in here, you know, GED preparation. For a lot of people, education can be scary. It is, and especially um, for our GED students, a lot of times they're coming back mm -hmm. after life has right. happened. Um, wide variety. I have 17-year-olds and I have 45-year-olds yeah. that are all trying to take the same class. They all come in at different levels. I've had a seventh grade education, and I've had they had one semester left of high school, right. and that's all they've got to finish. And you know, we, we try to get them all in one class and doing the same things. and But it is scary to come back in and think, how far am I behind? Yeah. What all do I have to do? And then the testing's not easy. It's it's four separate tests to get your GED. It's not like go in, take a test, and you walk out. Right. You're taking an English test. Then you're re-registering for a math test and re-registering for science and then social studies. And you have to pass them all to yeah. get that elusive GED all right yeah my daughter's um, right now is uh, brushing up on on some of her stuff for possibly teaching you know down the road here and it's like oh right. it's daunting you know and uh, if you haven't been in for a while or you had a bad experience right you know uh, or you have a loss of confidence like how, how big of a role does that play like helping somebody like you know I don't feel comfortable in a classroom I don't feel comfortable with a teacher I'm, I'm afraid of I mean a lot of times it's like a self-confidence issue it is. And so we've got several options that we've created now, especially with COVID. We transitioned a year and a half ago when I came in to the office um, to an online curriculum for GED and ESL, just knowing <laughs> if a COVID shutdown happened again, we have to keep our students an option to keep right. going. You know, they were left in the lurch, just like our kids in public school, you know, their learning just stopped abruptly. And they had made that hard decision to get back in and, and they lost traction. Right. Um, so we have an online curriculum which makes it easier now to offer to those who might work at night or who have families because we used to be able to offer childcare. Again, COVID ruined that for right. us. Um, so That's another huge issue is childcare. Right. Now, so because a lot of people are like, oh, I've had a couple kids and now I need, but I can't, I, I got to try to balance it out, but I want to do this as well. Our, our online curriculum is awesome in that it, you can access it from your smartphone. Mm -hmm. So you can get on. I have uh, one gentleman who does it during his breaks. He works 
the night shift and he has a lunch break and his 15 minute breaks and he'll do one lesson in those 15 minutes on his smartphone wow. every night um just keeping him going yeah and right. and so their lessons are built for that where yeah. you don't have to sit down and have an hour or two hour classes if you can fit in 15 minutes you can get a whole lesson in right um it, it is a lot of work to do it on your own and do it online it takes a lot of dedication we have a a teacher who kind of helps monitor their progress and can tutor them through a hard spot or give them some pointers mm -hmm. on scheduling that time, making that time for themselves. But it is, it, to do it online is a lot on yourself. What is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but what is the, 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 the demographic of this group? Or is it, is it mostly women or is it, is it, is it split between equally between both? It's pretty split. Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, every semester <laughs> changes, but right. I would say it, it's pretty split both ways. What's, what's, the, what's the hardest part of your job? Uh, I think just keeping that motivation and mm -hmm. making it work. Yeah. You know, that they've, they've already had life happen. We're, you know, luckily, like I was able to finish my education before life happened right and so they're in the middle of life and i think now like i said i don't even get to watch tv so how are these people making time right. to get on and learn it, it's difficult so i think just keeping that traction and encouraging and and some of them don't have the knowledge of being on a computer mm -hmm. so all of our registration you know you can do it in person but we encourage online to limit that face-to-face -face that covid is brought out as horrible um you know, and they, they don't even know how to get online to register. Right. So breaking those barriers and helping them. And, and, you know, luckily our curriculum even helps teach that online aspect and the on-the-computer work, you know, clicking and dragging, things like that. What has been the biggest, you know, in your, in your time, because you've been on the job with now, two years, is that right? About two years. Two years. Mm -hmm. uh, what's been the biggest success story? in your mind without being specific but you know just kind of a general you know specific generally specific story about a success that makes sense I'm i gotcha right. i gotcha All right. um i really like to refer to one that she actually just um over this last semester and at christmas finished testing she came into us i want to say spring of last year um so she took classes for ged in spring and fall um she was going to night classes. She was doing extra um, outside of that, mm -hmm. um, trying to get, she needed to get there and she wanted to go to nursing school. Right. And, um, you know, luckily once we get kids in our, kids, I still call them kids, yeah. and students, right. and some are older than me, um, students in our programs, you know, we have the option of giving vouchers for testing. Mm -hmm. And so we, gave her some vouchers to get her testing done. And she finished, I think it was two days after Christmas. She passed like science and social studies, like back to back testing. Wow. Got her last two tests and, um, emailed me so excited because she was able to get in her application for nursing school by the first of the year. Wow. And it was just like, wow, you are going out there. You have made this, you have, put in the hard work on your own and in class, gone that extra mile, and now you're going to go, you know, get your degree. And in, in nursing such a great vocation. Yeah. I wish I could do it. Well, it is. It is it's really important, too, you know, and that, and that kind of hard work is the epitome of what, I mean, if you talk about, you talk about a difficult degree to, to get, it's nursing. 
you know, right. like they put you through the ringer, you know. So she got that was good that she got that done. And, and you, have to, that. you have to be a special person yeah. to do that. Like I, right. you know, I can clean up after my babies, but no. No, a- no. anybody else yeah. and giving shots and. No, thank you. No, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, that's I, I had a uh, I had some medical uh, medical procedure done last uh, last year and um, the nurses were great. You know, um, and, you know, when you go into like having a surgery done, you know, like you want the nurses there to be sort of sympathetic and helpful. <laughs> exactly. You know? Uh, you know, I remember going being in the ER and they had me in this gown and I was like, uh, I, I can't get up. And they're like, OK, Mr. Amistoy, we'll get you. We'll get you. We'll, we'll help you. You know, they're holding the back and I just feel, you know, you feel so vulnerable and terrible. Oh, exactly. No, thank you. No, thank you. That is a different level of commitment and care of, of, of people as well. Um, the, the, the programs, though, so, you know, not only do we have the GED program, but you have other programs, too, that help folks as well. I just feel like it, the, one of the biggest challenges out there for people who, like, you know, I, I don't know how to start. You know, that seems like to be the biggest thing, right? Like, how do I get this going again? Right. And we we get that a lot. Like, I just, I need to get my testing or I need to learn English. Right. Um, That's a lot that we get, you know, to be able to get that promotion or get a job outside of whatever they're doing currently. And, um, you know, getting them started and talking them through it. And the hard part is, you know, with our programs, it's really based on, how much work you put into it as well mm-hmm. and how motivated you are. Right. And so we can't say, you know, they all come and they want that, <clears throat> excuse me, that magic time frame. How long until right. I can get out? And it's right. like, depends on you. Everybody's different. Yeah. And it really depends on you where right. you're coming in at, how fast you want to go. So I can't give you, you'll be done in one semester, right. you know, two semesters. How many students do you normally run through in, in, in a semester? Uh, since COVID, we're looking at about 50 a semester. Okay. It used to be a little bit higher. Um, obviously, our numbers got slashed in half, and we're working on recouping that as our numbers in classroom are allowed right. and then getting some of those online. Right. The, um, the other issue you have, too, is that um, you, know, you have ESL you know, programs. Is that – like you may have somebody who's come here from Mexico or Central America – who may have a certain level of education, but the language barriers. Right. Is that what you're seeing too? Or what do you, both, what, both, um, some, you know, we've had professionals, doctors, lawyers come in that just don't speak English, but to get that license or certification here, they've got to have know how to speak English. And so they come to us and then we have the other end of the spectrum that, you know, they're starting and they want to learn English. And then when they get English, we've seen them transition into some of the GED things as well. Right. Um, you keep busy, you know, this is interesting for you too, because you have a lot of, of, I was thinking about this, you know, kind of as you're talking about life, you know, because you have these, these life balance issues. You've got children. Right. You have coaching. Yes. You have critters. Yes. Lots. You have a husband. Yes. Um, and, and how is that, how does that fit into your life? You know, managing all these things. Like you said, you don't have time to watch TV. So, you know, it's probably gives you greater appreciation for what these people are trying to do, too. Yes. You know, wh- what, how do you balance your life out, you know, with all the things you got going on? Uh, you know, lots of scheduling, yeah. lots of calendaring. I, I like my colored pens on my calendar. And I, that, you know, that my <laughs> child does that, too. It's got calendars everywhere. You e- know? Each of the kids have their own colored pen right. so I can see who's going Who, where. Who's and, going where, right. Nice. Um, you know, and thank God I have grandparents here. <laughs> uh, 
you know, I think about some of these people that raise kids without grandparents, and I'm like, oh, God bless you. God bless you, because my parents and my husband's mother is just, they're they're fabulous. They help whenever we need them, and they can. But, you know, just, I don't know, lots of scheduling, lots of running crazy, lots of, like, what am I doing? And I just keep going. Yeah, uh, is is HPV going to HPV therapeutic or just a a a, a drill? Because I saw that's why I last I saw you right. was HPV. Most of the time, therapeutic. If yeah. I if you see me by myself, right. like I will literally go down every aisle. Oh, uh, see, and yeah. it does drive me crazy when people are blocking the aisles. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? I don't have kids. Somebody else has them for a few minutes. I'll right. just take my time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Hit the next aisle too. <laughs> I'm gonna go down to every aisle and see things I might want, but I don't really need. Exactly. That's a, that a huge, huge issue. Um, you're coaching. Is you're, you're coaching basketball? I am. Both of my children. Both of your children. So I have a first and second grade girls team and uh-huh. a fifth and sixth grade boys team. Okay. Now, so is your son more into the goats or is he more into uh, playing basketball? Sports. Sports. Okay. He likes the goats. Yeah. But I mean, his his passion is sports. Sports. He did a good job though showing that goat though. He did. He's come a long way. Yeah. He has come a long way. Okay. What does that mean exactly? Does it mean he just he wasn't sure about he wanted to do this or not? He's not my dominant personality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the little one. So, you know, learning how to handle a goat that's big and has a mind of its own yeah. was not always his specialty. And right. I was like, you got to go in there and be boss. He's like, I can't. Yeah. You know, and then my other one, she's got a goat that weighs more than her and is the biggest goat in the show. Yeah. And she's seven and she's over there like it gave her a hard time. But she was. She handled it, huh? Full on. I've got a great picture of her like giving this go to look like I'm <laughs> going to eat you when we are done here. <laughs> um, doing the ag, a lot of people will said to, to me, you know, with the ag show, and I've been around ag shows previously. I've never, I've never shown anything or been been involved with it, but covered them many times in many places. And what is it? What is it, what does that do? as like a educational lesson for your kids. Uh, you know, I had never shown either. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was basketball season yeah, for me. Yeah, right. Um, so I've learned it through my husband and everything. But just the responsibility, you know, they there's there's a, somebody else to care about mm-hmm. besides yourself. So right. that selfishness, you know, that you you can't be like I don't want to go out there. Right. Well, they're sitting out in the cold and they need to be worked and they need to be fed and. Um, you know, but just the hard work that's put in, you know, that some people don't understand you. They think you just show up at the ring and walk them around. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, we get them over the summer. Some of them we've raised ourselves. Right. And it, there's a lot of feed and cleaning and they, my kids are involved in. And brushing. Uh, some. Yeah. Not as much for the goats. Right. Like everything else. I mean, right at the end. Yeah. But, um, you know, we work them at least three or four times a week, and they've got to be out there to be walked. And my kids are very active when when they have to be given shots and medicine. They're out there helping, and they know what's being given and why. And and, and it's a whole process of, yeah. of learning, right. life learning. Right, and, and then, the, then the actual show part of it, too, is just kind of like knowing what the judge is looking for and learning about that. And, yes. You know, it's interesting to me, like, the thing I like about – the thing I like about I don't understand what they're talking about. They, they almost need subtitles. But when the <laughs> judge comes out there to talk about, you know, well, I liked uh, the the, hang, the the shank of that one, and it was a great, great looking, great setup, and beautiful, beautiful, beautiful wool. And all right, and this one over here, I mean, he'll give an assessment of why he did what he did. 
uh, or why she did what she did. It, it's fascinating to actually listen to, you know. It is, and I am still learning it. Most yeah. of the time I have my phone out, and I'm like, and when they're talking about ours, I'm recording, and then I take it to my husband. I'm like, all right. What did he say? Tell me what all this means. Yeah. What is I'm the, like, what did we do good, and yeah. what did we do bad? Like, right. <laughs> boil it down for There's me. There's a lingo way. there that I just don't get, you know. No, it takes a lot, and right. then I'm like, wait, which part is that? Right. You know, I've I've loved on animals my entire life, and he'll tell you I'm, and, the, you know, I'm the spoiling one. I'm not the one who knows the technicality. The thing that's interesting about Texas is that there's Texas accents and then there's Texas accents. <laughs> I mean, there are some accents that you're like, well, what, what? I, I'm sure there's people who can identify it, you know, right. that, that are, that are, you know, um, that know it. And you're like, so is there an East Texas accent? But there's some guys being like, I have no idea what they're talking about. You know, I pick up the y'all and that's about it. And well, so, and when the words that are coming out of their mouth, you don't know what, yeah, what they mean anyways, right. you're like, I, I can't put that in context. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating to listen to as well. Um, all right. So you got the, that, so basketball though. So your husband does the, does the critters. You do the basketball. I do the basketball and then he gets baseball. Oh, he gets baseball. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So how's the basketball looking? It's good. My my boys' team is very strong. Um, we did not get to play this weekend because of COVID, COVID right, presence right. on my team. Yeah. Um, good and strong. I'm excited about that. I coach one of the Ingram fifth and sixth grade teams. Okay. And then um, my my little girls, they're fun. It's always always interesting. Do they play on a do they play on a smaller? Um, court or net size or or so the girls yes so through um first and second grade they play on an eight foot right and now they used to go to a nine and then a ten now they've taken out the nine it was just so much to move them all in different gyms right so now they go from eight to ten and um yeah so they kind of jump as they get a little bit bigger balls every time they progress right. up a, a, an age group yeah, it's interesting like you know when, when when i was a kid uh you know we played with the same size ball and everything like that i actually heard one time uh, an nfl quarterback saying that's the dumbest thing in the world to give a kid a, an adult size ball you know like especially a football or even right. a basketball because how are they going to develop you know this is a guy who'd been you know, was an NFL, actually an nfl quarterback for the houston texans and his own boys who were quarterbacks, you know, like he's like, no, they're gonna they're gonna learn to play. They're gonna they're gonna learn how to throw the ball with this size, and then we'll we'll gradually get bigger as they get bigger, you know, right. and and it makes more sense. And I, I hadn't really ever considered that before, but it makes a lot of sense now too. Um, the girls' game of basketball you played, yes. Um, you played in college too, right? I did. Where'd you play at? At Southwestern University. Southwestern University in beautiful Georgetown, Texas. Yes. Uh, Shriner beat them the other day, by the way. Uh, or I think have they beaten them? Shriner's pretty good this year, by the way. If you haven't seen Shriner's women, yeah. um, they're fun to watch. They have basically three seniors, and the rest of the team's all first-year players, so it's chaos constantly. <laughs> but the uh, head coach, um, she's amazing. So you got to check that check them out. But the the women's game has come come to where now? Because you look at the women's game in the Final Fours lately. It's different. Oh, my God. It's it's never boring. That's for sure. No, women's basketball, to me, is so much more fascinating, mm-hmm. um, captivating, physical. You yeah. know, and, and it's funny because when I'm coaching my boys, I'm like, it's okay to touch. It's okay to put a body. And 
you know, my girls, sometimes I'm like, you got to back off just a little bit. Like, you can't just hit them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't just that's – the, that's the sport. Like, uh, I always look at it from the idea that um, the, the, the girls – there are certain girls' sports where I'm just amazed at the physicality of, of it, of the roughness of it. Soccer. Soccer. Uh, was one that stands out in my mind. And then um, uh, women's water polo is ridiculous. I mean, it is, it is, it is, it is violent. Uh, and this is why you, when you go to a women's water polo game at the collegiate level, it's a little unsettling because they, the, they come out of the water and they're like, wait a minute, you have a one-piece suit on, but it's a thong. What the heck? Because they grab so much that they don't want anything to grab onto right. because if you get a hold of any kind of fabric, you're going to get drowned. It's a crazy sport. That's crazy. Yeah, very crazy. Stacy Stevens, by the way, is the basketball coach over at uh, Shriner. She played at the University of Texas. Okay. And um, a Final Four uh, appearance as well. Um, it, even at Southwestern, which is Division Three, like Shriner, the I always tell this to people too. It's like the level of play though is really high. You know? It is, and it's it's kind of a step up, especially as you leave high school mm-hmm. and go to that next and learning your shot clock, and it, you know that changes yeah. everything in the game, especially if you're a guard. Um, I, I'm I'm so it's weird to me that there's not a shot clock in Texas. There wasn't one in Colorado either. I always found that to be unsettling. At high school? At high school level, yeah. Because we had them in California from very early on, you know. Because hmm. you'd have problems. Like, teams would stall. They'd play the four-corners stuff, you know. Oh, go to North and, Texas. Yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. handle ball. Yeah. I mean, it would, it would drive people crazy. So, I mean, I, I've been in a few games where there were near riots when teams would try to slow it down other teams with a four-corners nonsense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, but the women's game, though, to me has continues to get – get more and more impressive it's a different type of basketball and for those who want to judge it with the men you're stupid you know it's, it, di- it's a totally different game yeah. women are are more you know they've got to perfect their skills mm-hmm. and and be physical mm-hmm. and you know it's an all-out brawl under there whereas to me the men's game so much and even even back into college now you see it more it's it's about that like high flying three-point shooting mm-hmm posterizing somebody for yeah. something not getting in there and making you know it's a quick and easy rebound because everybody else is run off right. whereas girls i mean you better be ready to throw some elbows and mix it up in there and when you know the, the other thing too is the women's teams they don't they don't they aren't you know they don't have guys come in for a year and then leave you know they they right. generally have you know uh some cohesion there as right. well it's it's interesting what's happening in the women's game though right now too like UConn uh, in college is not the 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 big the big power right now. Well, you they know? lost their big player. Yeah, right. But they she was pretty impressive. Very impressive. Uh, but you know, you've got South Carolina. Uh, you've got uh, you've got you got a lot of programs that right. now are competitive with them as well. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting as well. Becky Hammond went to the WNBA, though. I thought she'd get an NBA job. I did, too, but I, I like her back coaching women. Like, yeah. I think that's – gosh, she was an amazing athlete to watch. I got to watch her when she was playing mm-hmm. for the Stars. Yeah. And, yeah, she Don't was Don't you think, though, that um, that at some point we will see a woman coaching the men's, the men's team? I do. Um, if it's not yeah. Becky Hammond. Because I always thought to myself like, – Eventually. Like, like – there's no, there's no way Pat Summit couldn't handle an NBA team, you know, oh. when she was when she was alive. You know? Oh, she was amazing. Yeah, she I mean, could have handled them easily. Yeah, if they 
learn the respect. That yeah. that's the hard part, I think, as a right. woman. Like the the respect you, I guarantee you, as some, many as some of these men I know the game. Yeah. But then the respect of it, of like how to, you know, if they're going to respect what you say because you're a woman. Right. And I think that I think that I think in the WM in the, in the NBA, I think you you could have that. You could have right. these guys, you know, say, oh yeah, you know. Um, I'm going to listen to you because you know you're you're like you're like a mom. You know? And a lot yeah. of the Spurs were that way. Like yeah. I think they went to her for that mm-hmm. right actual learning experience. Right. You know where Pop could be a little crazy. Yeah, she she they knew she knew what she was talking right. about. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like uh, talking with Stacey Stevens, you know, and her experiences. You know, playing internationally, playing the WNBA, playing at Division One, you know, basketball, things like that. Playing up against Diana Taurasi. Um, who I remember watching play in high school, um, write, wrote a story about her when she was in high school, and wa- going to one of her practices and watching her hit from deep three. I'm like, wait a minute here. Holy smokes. You know, this is a different level of, of play altogether. So She was in college, I guess about the time I was in, last of high school and yeah. into college. And, oh, I remember watching that UConn yeah. legacy Team yeah, she was, was really, impressive. really impressive for sure. Um, but then your son, though, is playing. He likes, is he a baseball or is he a basketball guy? He does both. Yeah. Um, so he's playing for the Indians. Mm-hmm. And so we have practice all week for that and practice for basketball all at the same time right wow. now. Wow. So he's busy. Yes. When does he have time for the GOAT? Uh, you know, when we force him, when we get up. <laughs> and, and you have to think, it takes us 30 minutes to get home right. where we're coming from. Right. So. You know, he gets home and it's like, put on your work shoes. We got to go outside. He's like, oh, can I just sit down? It's like, nope, you had 30 minutes in the car. Sorry. Yeah. Time to go. Time to go, bud. Time to get out there and do it. Um, You know, you you made the point, though, that you guys, you know, kind of you and your husband, you know, lived in San Antonio. Your husband's from Fredericksburg. You're from from Kerrville. Your parents were were here. You guys were so grateful to be able to come back. Um, How's that, you know, could you imagine raising your kids anywhere else? No. We, that was why we came back. And mm-hmm. that's why I quit my job in San Antonio. That was like my dream job. Right. Was because when I got pregnant, I said, I don't want to take kids to San Antonio. Right. I don't want to go off and leave my kid. Right. We lived in comfort at the time. And I was like, I want to, I want to be in the hill country. I want to raise them in the hill country. We loved it. Um, you know, we're, we're just small town kids that did not work well in the city. And you did educational programs for the Spurs, right? I did. Yeah. And that must have been interesting, too, because like we talked about before, you had, you know, guys like, you know, you had internet. One of the things I found about basketball players and NBA guys is that, one, they travel. Right. Um, two, the, they're in, there's always going to be dummies in every industry you have. But what I found, like I covered, we covered the, uh, the D-League one year, one of the papers I was at. A lot of these guys had master's degrees, you know. They weren't quite ready to go in. They weren't quite ready to give up on basketball or the, or the right. NBA. But they still had their educations lined up. You know, um, they were they were multilingual in some cases. They had they had a master's degree. What was that like to be in that environment where you had a guy like David Robinson who, you know, graduated from Navy. You know, right. I think he had an engineering degree maybe. Um, and you have a, a, a Tim Duncan, or you have some guys that uh, can handle themselves in the classroom. It was the best job. Um, I loved it, mm-hmm. and it was just impressive when they would come to you. And like I said, you know, Manu would come and say, "I want a program." Mm-hmm. 
you know, he saw Bruce Bowen have his get fit with H.E. Buddy. Right. And he went to a school every single month. Wow. 12 months out of the year. Wow. I mean, even off season, we were taking him to something. Yeah. And, um, you know, he said, I want my own program. And I like math and science. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. You know, okay. those aren't the things you expect to hear out right. of a professional athlete's right. mouth. And so, you know, we made him a math program. And, and that's kind of what we went through with all of them. A yeah. lot of, in San Antonio, they were so blessed to yeah. have the intelligence and the maturity. And some of them, it took some time getting there with the kids. They right. had the maturity on the court. And, right. And of wanting that program, you know, but of course throwing them in a right. gym or a classroom with 20 to 30 children is a whole other level when they're, you know, younger than I was at that point who, what, who wasn't even married with kids. Right. Yeah, it's interesting how many of these, in, these guys, you know, um, you know they, they put a value on education, you know, in a lot of ways. A lot of, a lot of these, you know, a lot of athletes will put value back on education. Andre Agassi is a good example of that. You know, he talked about Bruce Bowen and, and Manu Ginobili. Um, Kobe Bryant was an interesting one, too. I mean, you know, again, another multilingual, right. you know, guy who went out of high school and, and, and you know, was just very, very smart. Um, but I'm, I'm sure there's some guys out there, too, who probably, like Shaq was, you're like, Mom, I'm going to finish my degree, you know, who left and, you know, came back. And there's so many interesting stories that you probably had to got to be around during that period, so... And the sun is now coming in to cook your face off. I'm just leaning over. Leaning, leaning over. Um, when we look at the uh, going back to finally families and literacy, well, again, give us the pitch. Uh, I'm going to show the website one more time. Uh, let me get back. Here it is. So uh, for families and literacy, we are currently registering for GED pr- preparation classes and ESL classes. Uh, we have it available in person and online. Here's the form online. It's really yes. simple. So you can go, the best way to do it is go online, submit that registration. It comes to us by email, and then we start corresponding with you to get you set up. Um, both of our programs now are on online curriculum. So we have an online assessment. We can get you placed in the right spot. Even if you're coming to classes on Tuesday and Thursday evenings, it runs 630 to 830. Yeah. Um, you still have access to this curriculum, so you can double time it and make the most of your time, you know, or if you're trying to do math in person and you want to go over science online, we'll customize it. We want to work with you. We've got, we've got some amazing volunteers that teach our classes, um, you know, past professors, and it, we are so blessed. Um, and you're up there at Memphis Encampment uh, in uh, Light of the Hill. Yes. And uh, is it true that um, the Kirk Connect people over there doing are they doing drag races in the parking lot? Are they are they well behaved over there? They are pretty well behaved. They they come driving past my office every day. Yeah. So you know they're not they're not doing donuts or wheelies in the in the in the not deal. Yet. I'm okay. keeping an eye on them. What about uh, what about that suspicious uh, food place? Um, the you food know, pantry. Yeah. Mustard Seed Ministries. They bring in a lot of traffic, but we'll they, take it. They do bring in a lot of traffic. Uh, in fact, is that coming up in a couple of weeks here? There's always the mass food. It's always oh, the last, oh, last Friday, Monday. last Monday, last Monday. Right. Um, I went to it and I'm telling you, that was incredible to see how many people were still kind of in need for, for those. It is, and they those do services. such an amazing job yeah. at getting people 
so many people through yeah and all the volunteers that come out you know Kerrville is very blessed to have the volunteers that we do we do have it is incredible though to think about all the things that we have going on for us here that that uh, are right that are good right you know that's that's the best part about it oh misty thanks for being here thank you it's always good to talk to misty cody uh, i run into her uh the grocery store uh run into her at the stock show you know we just run into her all the time so good to have her here on a tuesday uh tomorrow uh, it'll be an interesting show tomorrow, Wednesday's show. Uh, originally, Mayor Bill Blackburn was not going to show up, but now he's here. He'll be here on Wednesday to talk with uh, Bismarck, North Dakota Mayor Steve Bakken, who will be joining us as well. Uh, Katie Graham, speaking of, uh, of large animals, uh, will be talking about her, her pig farm. So, no, she's going to talk about the uh, Kerber Farmer's Market. Um, we are talking to her about uh, what the Farmer's Market will be on coming on Friday. It'll be chilly because remember we have a we have a storm front coming through here that'll probably it's gonna be like eighty degrees here tomorrow and then like thirty four on Thursday. No, thank you. No, go away, go away, cold, go away. Um, I tell you what bothers me though is uh, what concerns me again. I've mentioned this before is that it's so dry. When I get up in the morning and it's like 30 degrees and my, my windshield is not covered in ice, it's a little bit, I, it, it makes me a little bit nervous. Um, it's just dry. And the, to me, where, like where I was raised, you know, like I said, you know, you put dry conditions with a lot of like combustibles. It just doesn't make, it doesn't make me comfortable. So I don't know. Maybe I worry too much. Maybe I'm getting too, too old. I tell you what, though. I, you're absolutely right, though, Misty, about having grandparents in, uh, in, in place as well. When my grandsons were here, my daughter-in-law was just like, sometimes you'd just be dead, you know. All right, I'm going to take in the boys. We're going to get coffee. You want anything? Yeah, give me, bring me a latte. You want to go? No, I'll be okay. And she's just dead, you know. So uh, it is nice to have uh, the grandparents around. So. And, I, and, I, and, you know, and she's probably like, let, your, let my boys terrorize people somewhere else without me. <laughs> so one of the books I'm going to do one of these days, I'm going to do Screaming Children of H-E-B, the Kerrville edition, or Screaming Children of Walmart, the Kerrville edition. Because every time you go to a store, you always hear a kid screaming, no matter where you go. Sometimes it's, and there's different types of screaming. There's like, ooh, I want that screaming, or the screaming of, no, I don't want that. I don't want to go in here. I don't want to do this. So anyway, that's another whole story altogether. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for joining us, uh, for putting up with me for the, another hour of your life. Uh, and again, tomorrow, Wednesday, we will have a, another great show for you. Thursday, Delane will be here. Friday, uh, Kevin Pillow will be talking about birds. Bird, Wild Birds Unlimited will be here uh, and talking about uh, where to go look for birds here in Kerr County. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Or for some of you, it's Monday. Um, and enjoy. I'll talk to you guys again real soon. Bye now. Hey, sure. Just make believe.